Welcome to episode 8. Hope oh, you've all had a good week. Good feedback from episode 7. This week's been a bit mad, hasn't it? Bit crazy. Blow me away a bit. Alt messages and uh, tags people so, recommending. So thank you for everything that's been coming through. Um, if you're new to this podcast, it's just me and my wife Carla. Hello. S- sat in his bedroom, two fishing chairs, we a microphone. And his brew. No frills, what you hear is what you get. Yeah. We don't know anything about each other's cases for anyone that's interested in following on social media. It's terrifying and twisted on Facebook. Terrifying underscore twisted on Instagram. Yeah. Um, someone had also suggested that we could put ourselves on Deezer. We'll have to have a look. I've no idea where it is. And hopefully we're going to get the episodes uploaded on YouTube as well. Yeah, eventually. Another, another thing I need to look into. Uh, so... This week seems to have gone a bit quick. It's gone fast, but nothing's actually happened, has it? No. We've been out to the supermarket a few times. Of course, we're in lockdown at the minute. Kids have gone back to school. But I actually had a day out fishing on Friday, so I got out in fresh air for a really good day of fishing. Yeah. Managed to get a few bites. Even Carla did, because she came along. Um, So apart from that, pretty standard week. We've not even been for a Costa this week. No. Shocking. I know, that is um, bad. So, I'm first. Go on then. I'm not going to lie, you know, so I might as well tell everybody else, I've really struggled this week. And I think it's because after last week's case, being so brutal, everything, like I've literally started five different cases (laughs) throughout week and then changed my mind. And do you know what it is? I can't get the horrific things from last week's case. Yeah. This is going not that I'm rating, but nothing's compared. Yeah. So I found it really hard to find a case that's gripped me. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, but I know it is what it is and I think it's just because of how brutal it actually was. That's yeah. all. Um so I have sort of played it timid this week. So I'm going to tell you about a lady called Paige Bergfled. So, in her early life, Paige lived in Denver, and she was always somebody that was known as basically being incredibly kind, genuine, and caring. Um, she was a very much family girl. Since been a little girl, she always knew that she was going to be a mum. That's what she wanted to do. She ended up going and studying nursing on a scholarship at the University of Florida, and that's where she met Ron. Um, Ron ended up being a husband, they fell in love, went off through school, college together. High school sweethearts. Yeah, graduated. She then decided to move back to Colorado with him when they'd finished school. They soon got married and then Paige really wanted to start a family because she wanted kids. But they didn't speak about this before getting married. And in fact, Ron didn't want kids, he didn't want commitment, he didn't think he wanted that sort of 
thing. And actually, it ended up breaking the marriage up pretty soon because she just weren't willing to give up on wanting to be a mum. So then, newly single, she decided to go work at a strip club. She was quite good at it, earned quite a bit of money. So did I. Fuck off. (laughs) Here you go. Bullshit. Um, but this is where she then met a second husband called Ron Dixon. They basically hit it off straight away. She was apparently attracted to Rob because he was very, same as a, like, such a family man, really close to his parents, probably helped that he came from a very wealthy family and he were all set up. And he basically wanted kids, that what last piece of his jigsaw. Yeah. So in 1988, Paige and Rob moved to Grand Junction together when I've had a look, it's a beautiful little area. It's kind of like, it's quite desert-like and it's on western border. They moved into this really nice house and pretty much started having the family straight away. So in 2001, by this three years later, they had three kids already. So quite manic, very young children. She absolutely loved being, everybody said she loved being a mum. And to outside world, they seem to have this like perfect life. Really flash cars, really nice house, lived in nanny sort of thing but like a lot of things it started to go wrong rob he'd made business deals and invested like millions of dollars into a project that it fell through so he lost like a shitload yeah it ended up then where they couldn't pay the mortgage they were really struggling it put a massive strain on relationship now some little bit of side notes in 2004 Paige rang the police on Rob um, basically saying that she were out at work and she's heard from him and he's threatening that when she got home he was going to find all the kids murdered so she was worried. So police go round to check but when they get there Paige and him are there together. They say oh it was just a little argument it's all calmed down now it's oh yeah it's all right. People getting murdered in an yeah. argument Well, please. Well, talking about getting murdered. Police believed him so they left it at that. Then in 2005, she called the police again, but this time saying that Rob had hit her while she were holding the youngest child. Apparently, because of the money problems, Paige started working in sex work again because they were struggling, they needed to keep a roof over her head, and she basically said, I did what I needed to do. Right. But it was really pissing Rob off. Um, is it Rob or is it Ron? No, this is a second husband, Rob. Oh, Ron with the first one. Yes. So it's Ron, Mr. Number One, and yeah, Rob, I'm with you. Number Two. Um, so it really started to piss him off that she was going back to sex work. Apparently, he'd found an underwear set, sexy lingerie, in a car, and he just kicked off. And this is where he's hit her. Now, he actually says that this never happened and that he's never laid a finger on her. He was arrested for domestic violence. He ended up taking some sort of plea bargain. Um, he was made to do anger management courses through a court order. But he still, to this day, says he didn't put his hands on her. Right. He actually thought it were a settle. He thought because of the money troubles they were going through, they were going to end up getting divorced. If they were going to get divorced, then they'd have to go to court for the children. She thought that by painting him in a bad way, or he thought that her process behind it was to paint him in a bad way, get these police reports against him, so when it came to going to court for the children, she'd look like this really innocent, perfect mum. Yeah. And he's got all these crimes right that's what he said he eventually had to file for bankruptcy and his reputation basically went to shit because in grand junction he was known as this really wealthy man who donated to community and helped out and everything is it literally a robot yeah 
lowest he could probably get. Uh, they then went on to divorce in 2006. Paige struggled to sort of accept that this perfect life were over because, you know, she had it really cushy. If you saw, I've looked at house. Mega. Yeah, the, it looks like a really, really posh place to live. Yeah. So she's now a single mum with three kids. He's got no money, so he's not paying no sort of maintenance. She's having to do what she can do. She starts doing these sort of dance classes in like different locations. She goes, I think like exercise classes. And she also gets lured into this pyramid scheme business. You know what it's like. It happens. She would host these big dinner parties selling selling all the shit, but she was really good at it. Like she got to a really good level. All right. So good on her. She managed to make it work. She sort of managed to pull, it was like a life were coming back together. She did it rock bottom with money and everything else. <clears throat> and she was working her ass off. But things were getting better. Things were getting better for her. Also, that's what it seemed to everybody else. Then, in June of 07, she were at a friend's pool party. I'm guessing it's same friends that are associated with this company. Right. Um, so, they're at this pool party, and she acted a bit funny, and she told her friend that she was worried for her safety, but her friend kind of brushed it off. She thought, she's newly single, she's not used to being alone, she's just a bit on edge sort of thing but through this company they had a forum and Paige started posting really personal things on there about um rob hurting her that she's really worried he's going to come and get her even she put a post saying that her children are extremely worried that he's going to go as far as killing her right so these posts started telling people she fears for <clears throat> yeah so then on the 26th of june she went to a mum's group basically it were a group of mums from the area they all met up went out went to dinner dates stuff like that so they all went out and straight away everybody said that they noticed that she was different she were off she were acting strange so that friend from pool party were there and she thought maybe i didn't realize how bad she was feeling she's obviously worried because she's acting really out of character so <clears throat> they're worried about her for a bit but then she spoke to a friend on the 28th of june called andrea now andrea said that Paige was in such a good mood completely different to that day when they'd gone out yeah and she was really excited because she remember her first husband, yeah. Ron. Ron. Her and Ron had just recently reconnected and started talking. So that day they'd planned to meet up and sort of just chat and what have you. So they'd planned to meet at Eagle. It said it's about two hours away from where she lived in uh, Grand Junction. They had a really nice picnic along this river. After that, she went back to her home and he went back to... Denver, where he lived. He got home first and he called Paige just to check she were alright and how far she were off. She basically said, I'm not far out from Grand Junction, I'll ring you as soon as I get home. But she never did. So next day, Ron's trying to ring her and ring her and ring her. Still no answer. In fact, it's going straight to voicemail, which he said to police later on were really strange because she always had it on because she was uh, she was de devoted to her kids. Yeah. She'd never have it off. But still, nothing all day. So then the next day, and I'll, I don't understand why he left it this long. So this is two days later. He then decides to ring a house phone. And that's where one of the kids answered. I just know it were eight. Obviously, I don't know. Well, no from one. what I understand, they weren't together together, were they? No, no. Like, so they'd obviously two been... Two days in, really. He might have, yeah. he might have just thought, shouldn't want to fucking... See me again. Yeah. Maybe. So, one of the kids answered, but he then tells him that she never turned up home that night, the Thursday night after he saw her. She never arrived home. So, obviously, like I said, this is two days later, so two days have passed. Nobody's seen. Nobody's heard from her. Are three kids on their own? No. Let, no. They've got a living nanny. Right. So, they were safe. They were looked after. They were... Cool. 
you know. So as soon as he got a phone to um, her kid, he rang police. Explained that he thinks he was the last person to see her. She'd not turned up at home. Now, you remember how I said she were a stripper at one point? Yeah. Not many people knew about it, about that part of it. Or those that did know about it thought it were in the past. But Ron told police that after their meeting, their date, she had plans to go on and meet a client because she'd got back into adult entertainment industry. Now, it actually turns out none of her family had a clue about this and she was really fucking successful at it. Like, made a lot of fucking money. Good for her. After everything, it's hard because when I was doing this and I've read some comments on it, the amount of judgmental bastards saying, well, you put yourself in danger, that's what you get for being a prostitute, you know, just that sort of shit. I just think... Sex workers are putting themselves in danger, but that's their choice. And I, I know some of them don't have choices and we could go deeper into that, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, 100%. But what I will mean with that is just so many judgmental people when it's got fuck all to do with them. But anyway... Opinion. She would like assholes. So she were really good at this job. Um, now, she'd been advertising herself online as an escort, but she always used the name Carrie. Um, she had, like I said, she Ron knew she had plans to go up and meet a client after, so he had to tell police, because obviously, if that what last person that saw her, they need, they need to know true. Yeah. Once police found this out, they did think straight away, it is a dangerous business, so it is probably a client that's in, involved. They start looking to a phone, they find the most recent clients, then they interview them to put a picture together. They talk to her friends, who a friend obviously does tell her about, tell the police about her being worried about her ex gonna hurt her, because she saw it as, I don't want the sex work to overshadow the fact that it could be somebody completely different. Yeah. And they're not looking. So, police obviously contacted Rob. He had absolutely no fucking idea that she'd even gone missing. He flew out to be... Because they're his kids, don't forget. So, he flew out to be with kids. It was soon proven that he were out of town. He were nowhere near. It wasn't possible for him to commit any sort of crime or even have it be an area. So, he were cleared. Then, obviously, the first husband was actually the last person to see her alive. So, he obviously were taken in for questioning... Yeah. So again, he was soon ruled out and he was cleared as a suspect. The police also had to consider that maybe Paige had just left. People do it. Yeah. But everybody straight away shut that idea down, said... The kids. Yeah, that's all she lived for, so she wasn't going to do that. So on the Sunday, they get the helicopter out, hoping that they could find any sort of clues. On that day, a call came through to dispatch saying that there were a car on fire. By the time they get there, they realise it is Paige's car and it's completely burnt to fuck. They obviously then decide this is going to be a crime. She hadn't just upped and left. We're going to have to look into this. When they found a car, it was determined that she did make it back to Grand Junction after meeting first husband. Yeah. So she had been in her own town and they saw that the driver's seat had been pushed right back, meaning that someone a lot taller than her was the last person to drive her car. But apart from that, I had absolutely no fucking idea where she was. Yeah. This is just her car. So on 14th of July, a massive search went throughout the Grand Junction area. Over 150 people walked for miles and miles to try and find her. They didn't actually find any, they didn't find her, but they found a few items. But these items were like Blockbuster card, a credit card. What, just like scattered? Yeah, just scattered. But they were also scattered like 15 mile away from where a car was. Right. 
So, but where it was found, it was quite close to the river running through Colorado. So the thought, we're going to have to search this. So they put quite a lot of time and effort into searching this river that produced absolutely nothing. Which I'm assuming well, a massive job. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And then a few weeks pass with absolutely nothing. No new leads, no information. So the investigators decide that they need to bring dogs out again and they want to take them to crime scene at car, see if they can find out. The dogs then end up alerting police to an RV shop across road from where the car were found. At the shop was a man called Lester Jones, who was a mechanic there. Oh, awesome, the dogs. They're good, aren't they? <laughs> That's why we love them. Now, there were rumours around the area that they actually knew each other, did Paige and Lester. It said that he wanted to be a client, but Paige point-blank refused because she told friends that he creeped her out and she was scared of him. So, police have a bit of a dig into him and they find that he's got a past and he'd been previously charged with acts of violence against his ex-wife. So, the starting to piece... Yeah, basically it said what he did is he chased his ex-husband, his ex-husband, he chased his ex-wife up a mountain in a car and she had a friend with her. The friend jumped out and he shot at him. Didn't hit him, but he shot at him. He chased them up, up a mount- mountain? I know, in a car. Right. So he ended up going to prison for this and he served a few years. They decide then that they're going to go search his house and obviously the RV shop, see if they can find anything. Can't actually find any real answers of what were found it just said items of interest right then at his work the things they did list were on scraps of paper that found handwritten notes of all with random information about different escorts on and quite a lot of viagra right at work but apart from that absolutely nothing to say it were him suggest it were him they couldn't do it why has it got viagra at work well i don't know why not supposed to be working not shagging Maybe he would just he stored them there. So they decide then to look back at her phone records and they realise that one of the last numbers that contacted her was from a burner phone. They trace the burner phone, trace where it was bought, lo and behold, they find CCTV of Leicester in Walmart buying a burner phone. They get hold of this burner phone and there were only five phone calls ever made from it and all of those were to Pages' phone. Now, even that... And even though he was the main suspect, they had no body, they had no evidence, nothing at all. All they can prove is if owned her. Yeah, that's it. So, it wasn't until 2012, so years have passed, that Paige's body would be found. And she was found by some hikers. They ended up having to identify her through dental records. Obviously, it's been a long time. Yeah. But when they examined her... They said that it was very clear she was beaten to death. Something about a jaw had been fractured, broken. It wasn't lined up. They found duct tape on a skull, which they suggested linked it to a tie-up and kidnapping sort of thing. And beat. Yeah. Badly. Yeah. So the police then, bearing in mind this is years later, the police then bring in Lester's cars. And there's two. And they search him. After... They've searched him. They ring Lester to basically say, you can come pick up your cars if you want, mate. But he starts acting really weird and he just throws himself under the bus. And he just keeps repeating to himself, you asked me where I buried her. You asked me where I buried her. So police officer's like, what What are you on about? Because they'd not mentioned Paige. So obviously they decided they needed to get a arrest warrant. And in November 2014, seven years after it happened, 
he were arrested and charged with kidnapping and murder. They actually said that when the police turned up with this arrest warrant, he basically were ready for him. He said, I've been waiting. And they said it was really strange because... Sounds like he kind of couldn't live with it That's anymore. exactly what they've said. They basically said it were like the guilt had got to him too much. Yeah. And he'd completely... He couldn't live with it no more and he'd give up. Not many times... They said, what I read is not many times you go arrest somebody for a murder, you see remorse. But to see remorse as soon as you arrest somebody, they've just given up. Not that my opinion changes of him, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. So Lester went to trial in July 2016. That's nine years after he first killed well when he killed her the first trial the jury couldn't make a unanimous decision so it ended up as a mistrial they basically said that they didn't believe there were enough evidence because at this point even though he acted remorseful and like he'd given up he didn't actually ever admit to doing it so so it's still not really a strong case no well this is why the the jury come back saying it, there weren't enough evidence for them to say for sure yeah. that he were guilty. So a second trial then started in December 2016. This time he was found guilty of first degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And it was only because it wasn't until that second trial is when he actually said, yes, I killed her. But to this day, there's never been no reasoning no motive he's never spoke about it all he said is he did it so Mm. there you go would you say he was obsessed with her i think he didn't like the fact that she refused to work with him Mm. things i've read because there's a lot more to it than obviously what i've given you but from what i've read it was kind of i think he fell what's the word piss it should should fucking turn him down because he hadn't just tried once or twice to, to become <clears throat> a client. So it's another personal, personal Maybe. one. Yeah. Which a, a lot of murder is personal, isn't it? Well, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know that were very tame. Very, very tame compared to last week. But I kind of felt like I needed a break. They're all bad in their own way. Yeah, I know they are. I true, know. True crime's true crime to me. Yeah. You let the, the, the case do... The work because some of them are just unbelievable. Yeah. So my story this week yeah. is about a, a young girl called Lauren Kavanagh, also known as Girl in the Closet. Okay. So she was born on April 12th, 1993. And when we come to the area of when this crime has happened, her mother is Barbara Calhoun and her stepdad is Kenneth Atkinson. Mm-hmm. So we start on June 11th, 2001. Ken is outside his uh, trailer and he's talking to one of his neighbours, Jeannie Rivers. And out of blue, he said that he's got something to show her. Okay. Bit strange. But they go into trailer and they go into his bedroom. He moves a big basket of clothes out of the way of this door. Mm -hmm. Takes the hangers off the door, opens the door and says... Hi, Lauren. And Jeannie sees this frail young girl covered in everything that you can imagine. So she's just behind, just in this little cupboard? In, in this little cupboard. It's supposedly four foot by nine foot. Right. So it's it's not big. No, no. So, of course, Jeannie Rivers phones the police. Yeah. So Ken knows this is going to happen because, obviously, 
he's just told Gina Rivers. Yeah, you've just told somebody, you've just shown somebody. Yeah, so I'll tell you about the story. When Barbara was pregnant with Lauren, she put Lauren up for adoption. Um, I've no idea why, there's no reasons why. Right. Um, She had a best friend called Sabrina and Bill Kavanagh. This is Barbara's friends. Yeah. So they try to adopt Lauren to the extent where Sabrina even cut Lauren's umbilical cord. Right. That's how close they were. Yeah. So they spend eight months um, with Lauren, Sabrina and Bill. Bringing her up. Yeah. And then Barbara's attorney gets in touch and says that Barbara's changed her mind. Oh, she just wants her back. Yeah, so somehow they find a loophole. The attorney had filed adoption pages incorrectly, and after a year-long custody battle, they get Lauren back. Right. Between them, Barbie and Ken, they had six kids between them. Um, The rest of the five kids didn't get no abuse from Barbie and Ken to the extent of Lauren. So just that poor girl. Such as when they rarely baffed her, so she's two years old, roughly, yeah. When the uh, when the baffer, they'd hold her underwater and then pull her up, hold her underwater, pull her up, and Why? they rarely bathed the kids anyway. From yeah. what from what I hear, it wasn't the cleanest of places. They rarely fed Lauren. When they did feed her, there'd be instances like they'd feed her mac and cheese, tell her to chew it, but she wasn't allowed to swallow it. Otherwise, she'd get a beating. She's two year old. Yeah. Then Ken would rape Lauren. While Barbie watched and laughed. They kept her in the closet, sitting in her feces and urine and the scraps of food that she had been fed. That poor girl could have had so, so different life if only she hadn't been put back to them. Yeah. Allegedly, there were teeth marks on doorknob, which I don't know if that's trying... Uh, try- whether they tied her up on a night and she was trying to get free. Yeah, you don't know, do you? So, at six o'clock that night, police arrive. It's Gary McLean and Joe Rivers. Their plan was to try and keep Ken calm and get him to go inside. Yeah. The walk-in, Ken sent the five kids to Jeannie Rivers' house because, obviously, he told Jeannie and he he knows they're coming. Yeah. Uh, He took Lauren out of the closet, dressed her in jeans and a long sleeve polo shirt, which... To cover a... To cover... Yeah, that's what it is. Um, so this policeman enters and he's looking for an eight-year-old and he can't find one. No, because I can't imagine that she looks eight. No, he says that she looks about three, three years old. Poor girl. So, obviously, she's in a really bad state. Yeah. They said that um, she weighed 25 pounds, which is the average size for a two-year-old. She's going to... She's tiny. Her legs were red and peeling from where she'd been sat in this closet. Uh, one of the policemen said that when he stepped in the closet, he felt the urine <sighs> from the um, No, because carpet. you know what? As soon as you stepped near that, the smell would have been vile. Yeah. They said that Lauren were really smiley, even though all this was going on. She's... She were a really smiley, nice kid. Oh, bless She couldn't her. sit up or stand. Her genital area had serious damage that required surgery to it. They had to be careful with refeeding her in case it gave her a heart attack. Yeah, because if she's had that, her stomach will have been so small. Weeks after she was admitted, her body went into shock for several hours. Her blood pressure dropped, her heart rate dropped. 
So, she's a badass. I just can't, I can't get over the fact that her life could have been so different. So, so different. So, a bit more information. Yeah. The medical evaluation on her brain said that it was atrophy from malnutrition. Yeah. Which, cerebral atrophy, if that's how you'll say it, or what's known as starved brain, is a complication of anorexia nervosa and describes a loss of brain mass due to starvation. When a person does not get adequate nutrition, regularly starved brain will affect concentration, memory, cognitive flexibility and fear responses, regardless of brain size. So... And I can imagine with how little that girl obviously was fed. A, a, a body had cannibalised itself. You could see her bones, her muscles, organ tissue. They had a special feeding method for her, which were designed originally to treat Holocaust survivors. Right. So that's really how bad she was. Yeah. On outside, it looks like a normal family. No one ever suspected anything? No. Another fact about this case is... When Sabrina actually gave custody back to Barbie, yeah. Barbie actually wasn't living in a house at the time. She was living in a pickup truck. So how did she still get custody? With no stable home? I have no idea. For this child? Ken were known as being chatty. He always called Lauren Ghost Child, which That's is strange. creepy. Yeah, it he, is. He often referred to things like Barbie's little secret. Which people assumed meant she had a few pot plants or something. Nothing major. Yeah. So around this time when Ken shows Jeannie this horrific... Scene. Scene. This naked girl in this closet. They said that her arms were one inch wide. You can <clears> just Im- <throat> you can just imagine. One of her eyes were crusted shut. And the other one were barely open. Around this time... Barbie was actually, allegedly, cheating on Ken. Right. Which sort of tells me that maybe he showed Jeannie this to get back at Barbie because she were out cheating on him. Yeah, possibility. Which is fucked up that he did it in the first place. Well, it's fucked up that they both did this in the first place. I don't understand why that thought process would go through his head. Does he not realise that he obviously would have known about it, therefore incriminating himself? Yeah. They got family get-togethers and stuff like that. Uh, Doris was the grandma. I think she was Barbie's mother. Mm-hmm. Barbie had told people that Lauren had a, had an eating disorder. Right. That's why she... She was so thin. So thin. But Doris said that when she came to her house, she acted like a pig. And... Did she not think Why? You'd have thought she'd steal stuff, hide it under a pillar. But Barbie had said that this eating disorder meant that sometimes she'd gorge on food. Right. Lauren became lactose intolerant, so she'd be sick and have to go to the toilet a lot. But that had made Barbie even more angry, so the beatings and the abuse had become more frequent. Yeah. Doctors had said that... Lauren had stopped growing around two and a half years old. Poor girl. So things got really bad in the last year. They say this is called scapegoating, the whole blame Lauren thing. Yeah. The psychologists say that parents target one child to blame for all the family's troubles. 
enlisting others into tort and, and abuse, such yeah. as the siblings. From what I know, the siblings didn't get involved with the abuse. Did they know about it? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them were younger than Lauren, I think. I think four were younger than Lauren and one was older. Right. She obviously hadn't got really much of a mental development. Because no, not at all. According to Doris, this is the grandma, the last time she saw Lauren in 99, she was fat. She she ended up lactose intolerant. If the kid's gorging on food when she's out, there's no wonder it's going to look fat. Yeah. And every time Doris visited Barbies, she'd say that Lauren was at a friend's house. Not locked in a closet. Doris said it was suspicious, but she knew that Barbie had put Lauren up for adoption, so maybe she won't bothered about Lauren yeah, but then so, so, so then why did she not think to step in and look after that child then also CPS have investigated these two twice oh, hmm. why am I not surprised Lauren had told the police that when they visited her parents had put her at a table with food but told not to eat and then she got back in the closet so June 1995 Barbie's high school friend, Stacy Wilson, went to police and claimed Lauren was being tied to bed and spread eagled. And God knows what happened to her. Don't need to know. By the time the caseworker arrived to check on this, they had moved. Now, I've just realised that I haven't told you where it is. This is in Texas. Oh. This is in and around Texas. They've moved a few times. Right. So by the time caseworker arrived to check, they'd moved, but there were no follow-up. They didn't chase him down, they didn't no. search for him. 18 months later, a complaint in Wood County, there comes a complaint about children eating mouldy food out of trash. CPS knocked on trailer, no answer. Then they get speaking to a couple who had said, oh, we live down road, who are you looking for? Yeah. They said Barbie and Ken. Oh, I've never heard of them. So they closed the report. Because they were unable to make contact. Now, uh, that, you that, know, they tried a lot, didn't they? That couple that they spoke to. Were it them? Yeah. Of course it fucking was. <laughs> Unbelievable. So Lauren spent six years in that closet. That, only time she came out with horrific abuse. We don't need to get, even get into... We don't, no, no. Because this piece of shit of a bloke and piece of shit of a woman have raped... Her, while the mum's been laughing. You don't get much fucking sicker than that. No, not at all. Burning her with cigarettes. she got lice in her hair. She I can, I can... hardly weighed anything. Her genital area had to have surgery on. And she was, what, eight years old, but only looked three and yeah. had the brain development of a two-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah. That poor girl. So, Babby and Ken get arrested. So the fucking should. And they both receive a life sentence for what they did. Yeah. They're eligible for parole in 2031. Now, there's some interviews on this story on YouTube because this story's actually been told on Dr. Phil. Right. So, in a way, it's quite well known. Yeah, I've not heard of it. If you go on YouTube, you can see Barbie's interview from prison. Right, okay. Which is fucking pathetic. Honestly. You need to watch it. I will, I'll watch it after. She's a cunt. I hate her. How can, how, how can anyone do 
this to the kids. It always baffles me how they can target one child. Yeah. That's what. Can you imagine what that must do? And this child want the youngest or the eldest? No. no. But psychologically, in your head, knowing your brothers and sisters are having a normal life out there, not normal. It obviously weren't a very normal family, were it? Yeah. Let's be honest. But you're the one being looked in the closet. Yeah. That part. You're the one that's meant to eat out of little bowls like a dog. Uh, The sisters' interview is on YouTube as well. Right. She talks. She remember it. Yeah. She talks about our parents called Lauren that girl it and the problem right as either of them ever answered why have they ever said why they would ask for their daughter back after giving her up for adoption just to do that what's the thought process behind that because the fucking monsters that's the thought process and then and then go on to have more kids and continue to treat them completely different. Yeah. They 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 could have just let her be happy with the other family. Yeah. Hundred percent. Took it away from her. Absolute vile. So. Bastards. Just to make this case a lot more sadder, in two thousand and eighteen, girl in the closet, Lauren Kavanagh has three sexual assault charges. That are pending against her. What? Kavanagh, who faced horrific abuse by her family from ages two to eight, was arrested in December 2018 by Louisville police after they were alerted to a sexually explicit Facebook conversation we she had with a teenage girl. Lauren, who is now 27, is awaiting. But she's her, not, though, is she? Is awaiting her transfer to a mental health facility after she was found to be incompetent to stand trial. Investigators say she has admitted she had a sexual relationship with a girl who was 14 at the time. She was indicted in February 2019 on the three counts of sexual assault of a child and could face up to 20 years in prison on each charge if she is convicted. Lauren was committed to a mental health institution September 23rd after a psychologist evaluated her. A judge ruled that her competency probably could be restored so that she would be able to stand trial. Judges can find defenders incompetent in Texas if they can't help with their own defence or can't understand the proceedings. Typically, defendants are restored to competency through treatment and their cases proceed. Right. I'm not being funny. But after what that... I'm not excusing what she's done with a 14-year-old. But you have got to take into consideration the fact that that girl went through the most horrific abuse. Her brain stopped developing at two and a half years old. Her body definitely did. Yeah. A bra- you know, she won't have developed... Well, they say, they say about the atrophy. Yeah. yeah. Starving the brain, you know... So to me, surely she, she oh, I just think she it, lock, she's gonna lack capacity, is she not? Like I said, it just makes this. It's just case so sad. Even more sad. Yeah. Uh, more than four months since the ruling for Lauren, she hasn't been transferred to a state mental health facility, and she still remains in the Denton County Jail. Uh, but do you know what? I feel even more sorry for her now because this is fucking Texas. She has got not a fucking hoe. Because she's picked up other charges for harassment and assault of a public servant while she's been in jail. 
she will be taken to the North Texas State Hospital in Vernon, a maximum security campus. When she was found to be incompetent to stand trial in September, the hope that was that Lauren would be transferred right away. But that obviously hadn't happened yet. No. Court records don't list a trial date for Lauren. She was set for a status hearing, but a note in online records show that prosecutors and her defence said a hearing wasn't necessary because she's waiting to be transferred to a mental health facility. Well, they've got nothing to assess, have they? Because they haven't started no treatment because she hadn't even been given the help that she obviously clearly needs, even yet. So, why? So, that's, it's what's, Texas. that's what's happening up in it. I feel, I feel so sad for her. I it's a vicious cycle, in it? A little bit of uh, plus now. I do believe that after she regained her health, she actually went to, back to live. Sort of a normal. With the parents that adopted her in the first oh, place. Oh, in the first place? Yeah, Sabrina and Belle. Oh, I bet that one. Oh, that's a bit of a rainbow, isn't it? Oh, to the shitty sh- storm. She, she were never going to... She was never going to live, be normal, was she, Living after all that? Her life. As awful as that sounds, she... Because then How monst- could you be? Then monsters just... Destroyed her. Destroyed her. And I think uh, the case and the charges against her, like I said, it just makes this story even sadder. 100%. I'll never, I'll never ever get my head around that. They could have just let her live with Sabrina in the first place, couldn't they? They could have just left her there. They wanted to be in control. Yeah. It'd be interesting to find out if that's why he actually showed the neighbour as well, you know. Because his missus were cheating yeah. on him. And maybe, well, if you're not, if I'm not having you, no one's having you, even yeah. if that means we both have to go to fucking jail. Yeah. I'll show you who's in charge. So they're eligible for parole in 10 years. They shouldn't get fuck all. Absolutely not. So are all the other Imagine kids all right now? Imagine if they get out and when they get out, Lauren's actually serving jail time. Jail time. That'll just be a kicking fucking balls, won't it? Yeah. So have all their other kids gone on to have, like, a normal life? And I assume so. The, like I said, the sister's interview is on YouTube from Dutphill. There's an interview from Lauren, obviously, on Dutphill. Yeah. And there's a interview in prison with her mum, who's just, like I said, when I watched it, I didn't feel nothing. You're just a piece of shit. Didn't feel no remorse from her, nothing. It was just... Pathetic. Yeah. There's nothing worse though when we watch something and you can you can normally gauge, can't you, from body language and so many just sit there and it's just you just think you're pathetic. Absolute pathetic piece of shit. So I you enjoyed it? I did. I did. I'd not heard of it. So again, surprise. <laughs> so thanks for listening. We're now gonna get a takeaway. Because I'm starving. Yeah. So have a good week. We'll see you soon. Peace.